You're listening to Radically Pragmatic, a podcast from the Progressive Policy Institute. We talk with lawmakers, policy experts, and thought leaders about the issues driving the news nationally and internationally. The Progressive Policy Institute is a catalyst for policy innovation and political reform with offices in Washington, D.C. and Brussels. Its mission is to create radically pragmatic ideas for moving America beyond ideological and partisan deadlock. We encourage analytical conversations, not your typical partisan talking points. Hello, I'm Jasmine Stoughton, and welcome back to another episode of the Mosaic Moment on PPI's Radically Pragmatic podcast. For those of you who don't know, Mosaic is a project at the Progressive Policy Institute that aims to put more women at the forefront of policymaking by empowering our experts with the tools and connections needed to engage with the media and lawmakers on today's toughest policy challenges. Today, we have with us Joanna Ain, who is an Associate Director of Policy at Prosperity Now and a Mosaic alumni. Do you want to say a few words about what you do at Prosperity Now in your area of expertise? Absolutely. So Prosperity Now, we are a national nonprofit uh, located in Washington, D.C., and we work towards racial economic justice and closing the racial wealth divide. So in in my role, I work on federal policies that affect low-income families and families of color, uh, specifically um, tax policy, uh, savings policy, um, and other policies, again, that that affect our more vulnerable populations. Excellent. And we also have Nick Buffy, who will be moderating the conversation today. He is our senior policy analyst here at PPI. Nick, do you want to say a little bit about what you do here? Yeah, I'm a senior policy analyst at the Center for Funding America's Future, which is a department at PPI that focuses on tax and budget issues. Our goal is to enact policies which ensure both high growth and very equal growth. Excellent. So I will go ahead and turn the conversation over to these two tax experts, and thank you for listening. Great. Thank you so much, Jasmine, and thank you so much for having me. It's great to sit here with you and Nick and talk about all of my favorite tax policy issues. So, Joanna, I know that along with being an expert at Prosperity Now, you've also volunteered with the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, or VITA. Can you tell us what that program is and why it matters so much? Absolutely. So, VITA, not VITA, VITA, the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program, uh, is about a a over 50-year program uh, funded by the federal government. It links IRS-certified volunteers with Uh, low-income households who need help getting their taxes done, and it allows these volunteers to do their taxes for free. And just to give our listeners a a sense of the kind of scope and scale of VITA, um, roughly how much money does it return to these low- and moderate-income people every year? Yeah, we're talking like $1.8 billion a year. So it's a really... uh, it's a it's a big amount, um, and it's it's once again it's 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 helpful for the households, and it's just also helpful helpful because so much of that money goes back to the economy. So we know that it's a very very important program for low income people. Uh, how is Vita sustained? Where does its funding come from, and and how do we keep this program uh, going forward? Yeah, I love that question, Nick. Um, so Vita is a a unique private public partnership. Uh, 50% of VITA funding typically comes from the private sector and 50% comes from federal government. In order to get those federal government funds, you need to do, you need to have a one-to-one match. Um, And that can come from um, 
different sources, but you do need that match in order to get those federal funds. Now, the federal funds about seven years ago, we were talking about $12 million a year. And due to uh, the VITA program's amazing um, level of advocacy and uh, work in, in, in calling their senators, calling their congresspeople, telling them how important VITA is in their community, this funding has been expanded to, uh, in, in fiscal year 23, we are at 40 million in funding. So it's really wow. uh, gone up a lot in the past couple of years. And I think part of that's due to also just how important um, taxes have been to families uh, as we see expanded uh, tax credits uh, in the last few years. They have gone up, they have gone down, but how, um, how critical those have been in the lives of families as they deal with things like the pandemic, like uh, natural disasters um, and all the, the crises that can happen in a community and a family's life. And, and that's really an incredible return on investment when you think about the idea that just by investing $40 million in this program, which is not a whole lot of money, you're putting $1.8 billion extra dollars into low-income people's pockets. That's, you know, that's like saying for every dollar we invest in VITA, we're returning something like $45 to these, to these Love people. Love it. Yeah, it's incredible. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll drop some links into the show notes where people can... Uh, can see what sorts of um, resources there are if they need to file if they if they need help with FIDA, um, and so that'll be available on on the PPI website. Um, switching topics a little bit, one of the most important things that we debated during the Build Back Better debates and also during the Inflation Reduction Act debates was the issue of IRS funding, and of course you know some of these these complications with filing your taxes wouldn't be necessary in the first place if we had just an absolutely perfectly functioning IRS. So give us a sense of what was on the what was on the table in terms of IRS funding, like what sort of issues were being debated? Um, what is the IRS funding going to do? Is this going to target low income people or high income people? Um, what was included in the, uh, you know, the eventual Inflation Reduction Act kind of stuff like that, just kind of high level stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the issue is that the IRS for uh, many, many years um, has been auditing low-income people uh, with, in a lot higher rates than they're auditing high-income people. And the, the reason behind that is, is, is pretty, fairly simple. It's, um, it's really expensive to audit high-income people because they can pay for lawyers, they can pay for financial advisors. Um, whereas low-income people, the, the auditing process is much more, I guess I would say uh, it's easier, it's technical, it's uh, more automated, so it's cheaper, right? So we have a poorly funded federal agency that um, is focusing on low-income people because that is the, the cheapest way to, to do their job. And so we have low-income folks uh, being audited at higher rates than higher-income folks. We want to reverse that trend. So the Inflation Reduction Act works to do so, right? So we have about $80 billion over the next 10 years going uh, towards the IRS, towards making, towards the technology of the IRS, um, we, we hear a lot about them hiring 87,000 new agents. 
right? In fact, they're actually replacing the thousands of agents who are going to retire over the next 10 years with new agents. So we're going to have more agents answering the phones, more agents processing returns, more agents to go after um, higher income folks who are trying to get away with um, different things with the tax system. Um, so, so all of this money is going to be used to making a, a better system. Um, we know that the IRS um, technology is incredibly dated. I think it's the most dated in the federal government. So we just need, the, the system needs to be updated and the system needs to be um, made so that uh, the, the tax system be, can become more equitable to all families. Yeah, and it's um, it's pretty incredible when you look at the types of resources that the IRS actually has uh, disposable to them at the moment because when IRS workers process people's tax returns, they have to manually type in the numbers on your return. So despite the fact that technology has been around since the 1970s, which would allow workers to scan and upload forms onto computers, uh, th you still have people literally just reading one form typing those numbers into a new into another computer and these people are expected to do things like go after uh, cryptocurrency traders like Sam Bankman-Fried you know they're not going to be able to keep up with somebody like him with current funding levels but this 80 billion dollars of new funding not only does it upgrade their technology it also very specifically has a clause saying you know cryptocurrency is one of the new areas you can regulate so you know they're going to go after those rich tax cheats rather than the type of people you're, you're talking about who are served by VITA or the type of people who benefit from from the earned income tax credit. Um, do, do you have a sense of, you know, when we invest in the IRS, is, is this something where, you know, we're pouring all this new funding into the IRS and this money is, you know, it, you know it, we're going to get as much back as we put in? Or is there kind of, is there a similar return like what we saw with Vita, uh, where Vita, Vita, Vita. oh my God, <laughs> Love. Uh, tomato. Okay, um, <laughs> but is there some sort of uh, is there a, a similar return here as well? Yeah, for every dollar we invest in the IRS, we're getting more than two dollars back. So that's really important, right? The business uh, of that is really important. Um, However, I, I, I just don't want to get away from like, we need an equitable tax system. Right. We need a tax system that supports low-income families, that supports our families of color. Um, we, the last thing we need is a tax system that supports, uh, I mean, they should support everyone, but more supports wealthy and corporations than low-income people. So, um, you know, that is, from prosperity now, with my prosperity now hat on, that is what we uh, are focused on, and that's why we believe that um, the IRS uh, needs more funding in order to create this more equitable tax system. You know, I hadn't thought about this before this interview, but it, it seems to me that the funding for VITA and the new IRS funding, including included in the Inflation Reduction Act. In a way, they're kind of two sides of the same coin because, you know, you had low-income people who had trouble filing their own taxes, even if they wanted to do so honestly. And on the other hand, you had some high-income people who were intentionally, or sometimes not intentionally, but 
Either way, they were avoiding paying the taxes that they legally owed. If you increase funding for VITA, you're helping people to receive refunds that they're entitled to, helping, helping those low-income people to get more money in their pockets. And on the other hand, if you increase IRS funding, you're ensuring that the very richest Americans, typically those making $400,000 or more a year, which is where this funding is targeted, mm -hmm. that they actually pay the taxes that they are supposed to pay. So it's a way of making sure that the tax system is aligned more properly with its actual goals, that the people who are supposed to be paying taxes actually pay them, and people who are supposed to be receiving refunds actually receive them. So, And I think that's just a really, really important point. Yeah, I think making this uh, agency what it should be is completely the point of, of all of these programs that we're talking about. So uh, I, I think it would be important here to talk about uh, our country's major uh, tax credits, the, the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit. Um, what are these tax credits and who do they help? Yeah, so I'm going to take us back a little bit. Uh, we're going to do like a little bit of very, very high level history <laughs> lesson on what the tax credits used to look like and what they um, look like today. So pre-pandemic, what we were generally looking at, this is from a very high level, is we were looking at a, a child tax credit that was um, about $2,000 uh, per year for families. Now. It was not refundable. So that meant our lowest income families could only access part of that. So it wasn't hitting or it wasn't helping the families that um, most needed that support. Uh, what happened during the pandemic is that uh, a couple things happened to the child tax credit. One is, and this was all through the American Rescue Plan Act. One is that the amount was raised so that uh, for a family with young children, they would have access to $3,600 a year. For a family with older children, they would have access to $3,000 a year through that, through that tax credit. The other thing that happened, and this was in the spring, like we're all like thinking back to the pandemic and thinking back to like what we were doing in our lives at that point, but this was, we're talking like spring of 2021 and starting in July of 2021 folks started getting for the first time monthly payments so the families who had children under the age of six they would get $300 each month for six months so from July 2021 to December 2021 they would get uh, $300 per month the families with kids that were um, six to 17 years old, they would get an $250 per month from, again, from that July to that December. So that December. So they were getting this monthly payment for the first time. So this was, and this was going to things, um, there've been many studies done. There, this was, this ended up going to things like nutrition costs. This ended up going to utilities. This ended up, going towards um, uh, uh, parents who needed to make car repairs in order to get to work. So those were the kinds of things that we saw families using this money for. Another thing that happened was these um, tax credits were made fully refundable so that our lowest income families 
were able to access the entire uh, CTC rather than just the highest income families being access, able to access that entire CTC. So that was incredibly helpful for um, families who had very little income. They got this boost. Um, so these were uh, three big changes made to the CTC. It only happened for um, six months. Then families were, received the balance of those payments um, around this time last year, right, when they got their tax refund. Um, so it, it boosted their uh, tax refund as well. Um, so this was a, a game changer for a lot of families. Uh, it decreased uh, child poverty by 46% uh, in the United States. It pulled 2.9 million children out of poverty in 2022. Um, it made an incredible, incredible difference for families. Uh, and But unfortunately, um, when there became opportunities to reinstate the CTC, to reinstate this expanded child tax credit, um, congressional uh, members were not able to get on the same page and they were unable to, to push it forward. So what we're seeing this year is that um, tax refunds are actually going down uh, for families. They're going down uh, I, I've seen some numbers by 11%, which is, is really, really tough for families. The other thing that I just want to um, remark about just briefly is that the earned income tax credit, especially for childless workers, was also expanded during the pandemic. So whereas um, an individual would have gotten about $500 in the EITC um, with their tax refund uh, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic and during this, um, during 2022, so this time last year, they would have gotten about 1,500. So this was also an incredible um, benefit. It was nearly triple its normal size. Yeah. So, th so for single childless workers, you know, or for married childless couples uh, who are who are working, maximum value of, C of the ITC of $500. Now it's triple. It was triple that amount under. Yeah, very temporary. Very temporarily. Yeah. And, th and that was the that was essentially the stimulus package that was passed uh, under Biden. Um, I, I I wanted to uh, ask you one thing about the the statistic you gave about two point nine million children being pulled out of poverty by the child tax credit in in twenty twenty two. So that that statistic refers to the total child tax credit, which is both. It's a combination of both the child tax credit as it existed beforehand, as well as the upgrades that were made specifically under the Biden reforms. Do you have a sense of how much, you know, how much of that anti-poverty impact was due to the reforms themselves as opposed to just, you know, the, what law would have been in place beforehand anyways? The expansion of the child tax credit pulled 2.1 million children out of poverty. So that was just the expansion portion. Wow. So that's that's like the va the vast majority of the effect was just due to the upgrades in the American Rescue Plan. Yes, absolutely. And so the the child poverty rate that year fell to a record low, five point two percent. It was really important, obviously, to make this this credit fully refundable. And and just so our listeners know, the phrase ref "fully refundable," what this means is that if you say have to pay three thousand dollars in taxes in a given year and you're entitled to 
$4,000 of tax credits. A fully refundable tax credit means that you uh, just receive a $1,000 check from the government at the end of the year. Now, if the tax credit wasn't refundable, what happens is that since your tax credit was greater than the amount of taxes you owed, you pay $0 in taxes, but you don't receive that $1,000 check. So for low-income families who often you know, don't have very high tax liabilities but are entitled to, to some of these tax credits, the difference between a refundable and a non-refundable tax credit is just tremendously important. I think you can see that with some of the, the statistics you just gave where you, know, you expanded the child tax credit, made it fully refundable, an additional 2.1 million children were pulled out of poverty by that. And this is just, you know, this is a really, really important group because, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, if, if you if you want to think about who are the kind of more most and least sympathetic groups when you have uh, popular political discourse saying, you know, oh, people are just choosing not to work or something like that. I mean, I, I get it that you can have some sort of effect maybe on these children's parents, but like th these are children we're talking about, and it seems like that should be a priority for us. Do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think shrinking uh, child poverty was uh, an incredible achievement for our nation, and it, it, it's it's painful, at least to me, from a per like painful that we couldn't get this passed. Um, again and couldn't continue those expansions especially expansions like that refundability right like we're not letting low-income families have access to that full amount like right. what are we thinking um we're shrinking that amount for families we're going back to that two thousand dollars per child um where we're not allowing families to have access to those monthly payments which were incredibly helpful um, and really helped with day-to-day -day needs. Uh, so it's, yeah, uh, 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 that's the word that comes to mind to me, painful. So um, we've talked about the upgrades that were made during, during, the, uh, during the Biden reforms. What, what is the state of the earning of tax credit and the child tax credit right now? Are they just back to where they were before? And uh, you know, what, what, is, what do these, these two tax credits look like at the moment? Yeah, they are back to what they look like before. Again, as 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 I, I remarked upon, we we have seen a uh, decrease in tax refunds so far this year. We're we're, we're recording this um, in mid February, um, and it looks like tax refunds are going down by a, around eleven percent. Um, families don't have access to the same amount that they did uh, last year. Uh, I think it's really hurting low-income families. I think. We know that inflation is very, very uh, difficult for low-income families. Um, it really affects them a lot more than it affects uh, higher-income families. And not having those supports in place is, is going to be detrimental to a lot of our households this season. Gotcha. Um, so anyways, uh, where do you think we should be going with these tax credits going forward? Like, what sort of reforms do you think are important to make in the long term? Ideally, we would love uh, to make the reforms made in the American Rescue Plan Act permanent. Um, but at the, at the very least, making these fully refundable, um, making the child tax credit fully refundable, I think is incredibly important. Um, expanding that amount 
Um, I mean, all of the reforms, again, are, 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 are really uh, critical. But I do think that that fully refundable piece, that, that hurts me the most. And certainly, if we want to stay dedicated to to families and to children, as most political rhetoric suggests, you know, it's really, really important to to have this more generous child tax credit in place. So, anyways, uh, those are all of my questions, uh, Joanna Ain. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. This was great. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Jasmine. Thanks for listening. Want to learn more about the Progressive Policy Institute? Follow us on Twitter at PPI and on Facebook at Progressive Policy Institute. Or go to our website at progressivepolicy.org. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and check back for new episodes. We'll talk with you soon.